listeners, welcome to the Beyond Writing Podcast, brought to you by Bright Little Light Press. I'm your host, Dakri Carey, and today we're going to talk about understanding Facebook algorithms. And the focus of this is going to be how to get the results you want using your Facebook page for social engagement and also using Facebook for advertising. So there are a couple of pieces that go into this. Um, there's two sort of sides to using Facebook's platform as an author. One is having a Facebook page for your author identity. And it's important to have this as a separate page. It's sort of like a, back in the old days, it used to be you could have a business page on Facebook and a personal page. Now it has expanded so that there are a variety of pages, some of which are like public personalities and author is one of the options as a Facebook page. The difference between a Facebook page and a private Facebook profile primarily is that a private Facebook profile that you use to interact with your friends and family is limited to 5,000 followers. A public Facebook page, in theory, doesn't have a limit on the number of followers, so if you want to really grow your fan base, you need a public page to do that. But the public page also gives you additional tools, specifically around boosting posts and advertising, that you don't have on a private page, so you're definitely going to want to have a public Facebook page. When you have a public page, you will find that when you post to that page, it doesn't reach a large percentage of your viewers. This is one of the things that people have gotten frustrated about, um, authors specifically, about Facebook in the past several years. It used to be that when you used Facebook and had a page, your posts on the Facebook page would reach somewhere between 50 and 70% of your fans, people who liked your page. So you could really reach a lot of people directly from your page just by posting. They've changed the algorithms around that, partially because Facebook has sort of emphasized going to a pay-to-play platform. So now, in order to reach a large percentage of your audience members, you have to pay. You have to pay to boost the post to Facebook, and there are a variety of options you can choose when you're boosting a post. It could be to everybody who likes your page. It could be to friends of people who like your page. You could uh, boost a post to a specific demographic of people who you think might be a fan of your page. But the point is, you now have to pay extra money just to reach people who are already fans of your page. So when you do this, when you post to your Facebook page, you'll notice there is a thing that comes up automatically on your posts called organic reach. And the organic reach is the number of people who see your post without you paying to boost it. And ideally, you'd like to have an organic reach that's relatively high, so that way you're engaging people without having to pay extra money to Facebook to do this pay-to-play thing. It's sort of tricky, though, because the organic reach, there are some unexpected rules around it that people have observed. And again, all of this information about Facebook's algorithms is based on speculation and observation. Facebook guards this very closely, and as far as I know, nobody out in the public world knows what the algorithms specifically are, but we can deduce things about the algorithms based on the way the Facebook ads behave and your Facebook page behaves. So some people have deduced from the organic reach that when you pay to boost your post, that subsequent posts, the organic reach on them is lower. And this is because you are paying to reach people who are not necessarily interested in interacting with your posts. And the organic reach is really determined about trying to make people want to interact with your posts. 
So the idea is Facebook really wants people to engage with the content on the platform so that they want to keep coming and checking their Facebook page. So if the users of Facebook see a lot of stuff they don't care about, they're not going to check Facebook as often, and they're not going to be as engaged when they do it. So this is why when you're viewing your regular Facebook feed, you don't see everything from all the people in your feed. You only see posts that Facebook thinks you might be interested in seeing. They use their algorithms to try to figure that out so they can show you only the content that is relevant to you. So when you own a Facebook page, a public page like your author page, that is far less likely to be of interest to people than their private news feed. So Facebook doesn't want to boost this particular content into their private feed unless a lot of people are already engaging with that content. So when you are posting to your Facebook page, try to make posts that people are going to want to engage with. Um, Ask questions, ask surveys, um, offer giveaways or things that people are going to want to share and interact with. Really try to get your audience on Facebook participating with your page. When you do that, your organic reach is going to go up automatically because Facebook is going to see that people are enjoying and interacting with your page. Therefore, they will show it to more users. And if you can get users to share, that's even better. It's tricky to do this because you could tell users why you need them to do this. You could say, Facebook doesn't show my posts to everybody, so it really helps me if you share. But the flip side of that is some people are doing that already, and it comes across as sort of self-serving to the viewers. So the best strategy is to really create content they're going to want to engage with and share with their friends. A good way to figure out what type of content is going to do that, A, test, just post a variety of different types of topics and see what performs well for you. But B, look at other people in the um, genre that you're engaged in and see how they are posting regularly. You can't really see their engagement numbers when you're looking at someone else's page, but you can see the number of people who have liked a post or the number of people who have shared a post. And if those numbers of likes and shares is very low, then that particular social content is not a good strategy in that genre, or at least within their fan base. If the likes and shares are really high, then you can conclude that users are engaging with that content, and that type of content might serve you well in your own Facebook strategy. Another tip is things that are controversial get a lot of likes and shares. This can be sort of a double-edged sword because if you're too controversial, people may think you're a jerk and not want to interact with you. But in some types of genres, being controversial actually can serve you well. Um, If you can polarize people, you'll have a lot of people saying negative things, but then you also have people saying positive things. And both of those types of engagement spread your message and get more people viewing your page content and also sharing your book data. So... This is a really tricky one, and I think it's an advanced technique that I wouldn't recommend for a lot of starting um, authors, but if you have this type of personality, or if you've experienced like engaging people controversially on social media before, and you've done so successfully, then you may try this. It's just another strategy, another tool to have in your toolbox. So when you're boosting posts on your Facebook page, the things to think about are, who do you want to reach? And what's the objective of the post? So sometimes you may only want to reach the fans of your page, but you may have to pay a higher dollar amount to do that because those people may not be actively engaged at the time that you're running a promotion or a boosted post. 
Um, other times you may want to spread awareness about your brand, your author brand, or maybe you're doing like a book launch and you want to reach a lot of people, then you may want to re- uh, boost your post to f- people who like your page and their friends. If you can conclude that people are maybe friends with people who would like the same type of thing, you may reach more people who would be interested in your author page and your content, especially if you're doing like a giveaway or something where people really want to share. Uh, You can also, if you're looking to build your brand, you can boost posts within a specific demographic that you think will respond well to you. And this can be a similar demographic that you use in your other Facebook advertising. But it can be sort of mixed about whether or not you should boost a post as an ad, um, which is effectively what that is. The reason there are mixed opinions on that is because a lot of those people who are reached by your post in that scenario are not going to engage with it. So in theory, this will drop the organic reach of your subsequent posts because people are not choosing to engage with your content. Uh, The other thing is when you're doing an ad, it can be much more successful to just do an ad. So boosted posts are often things like more personal in nature and may not necessarily be uh, tailored to reach people who are not familiar with your brand. It could be a picture of your desk or something where you normally write. It could be a picture of your pet. I know a lot of uh, authors do pet pictures. It could be, you know, something that's going on in your life that these things are interesting to people who are already fans of yours. But if you're just reaching random people on Facebook, they don't care about that. They don't know who you are, why they should care about that. Um, If you're doing a boosted post for something like a giveaway, that could work because lots of people are interested in free stuff. So even if they're not familiar with you as an author or your books, boosting a giveaway post to a demographic that may be interested in your writing can help you reach more people and ultimately build more fans of your page. So there are times when boosting a post to a demographic outside of people who are already fans of your page is helpful. But just keep in mind that when you do that, it will lower the organic reach of your subsequent posts. So you may have to pay to boost those posts just to reach more people on your page. You may have to do that anyway, though, because the way Facebook changed their algorithms is not advantageous for authors anymore. So don't let that be too much of a deterrent if you think you have something that's going to play really well to some other demographic. More specifically, I wanted to talk today about Facebook's ad advertising algorithms. I see a lot of questions and interact a lot with authors who have questions about whether or not their cost per click on an ad is good or bad. Um, whether an ad is performing well, what should they be expecting when they run ads on Facebook. I think people who are experimenting with Facebook ads just don't really know what they should be looking for, and they don't have a good way to measure that. So we're going to talk a little bit about the algorithms that Facebook uses to determine how much you're going to pay per click, and some of the ways you can sort of interpret that data to decide whether an ad is performing well for you. For the purposes of this discussion, we're going to talk about paying per click. And not all the ads that you run will be on a pay-per-click basis. You may run ads for page engagement or other types of things, getting shares. But it's the pay-per-click that people consistently have questions about. So that's where I want to focus today. You want to know how much is your cost per click when you run a Facebook ad and how much should it be? What is a good cost per click? And you also want to know over what period of time you should measure the cost per click. So first off, when you start running a Facebook ad, it usually takes a little while for the algorithms to settle down. 
when you first start running an ad on Facebook, there's a period of time in which your cost per click is going to look pretty high. Um, you should know that you don't get data at all, or at least not relevant data, until it has served your ad to at least 500 people. And then it can start deciding whether people are engaging, how much the cost per click is at that rate, and then it will sort of expand as more people see your ad. A general rule of thumb on Facebook ads is to let it run for at least three days before you can measure anything about the sales data or the cost per click of your Facebook ad. And again, the reason for that is just as the algorithm runs and more and more people see your ad, Facebook will be able to analyze the way your ad is performing to those viewers and will sort of tweak who is seeing it to get you an effective rate and also to get the ad to people who are going to find it most relevant. So the cost per click, what you're going to see there is going to vary a lot, but the main factors that influence the algorithm are the audience size, the activity in that audience, the relevance of your ad to that audience, the placement that you select when you run the ad, and the frequency with which people see your ad. I'm gonna break down each of these things one by one so that you can sort of get an idea of what I'm talking about here. Um, first of all is the audience size. So when you're setting up your Facebook ad, it has sort of a graph that shows you in real time as you make adjustments what the expected audience size is for that, that particular targeting set. So for example, um, an ad that we serve to romance readers for America's Favorite Couple, um, often we will target specific authors in the genre. And I think um, Sylvia Day, as an author, for example, has a, an average of 1.2 million fans on Facebook. So if we target just Sylvia Day, we can see an audience size of 1.2 million people on Facebook. And the general rule of thumb for a good audience size is between half a million and a million people. So that 1.2 million is just a little bit too large to be an effective audience size. And that goes to the cost per click and some of the other data. So we might start with Sylvia Day, and then we might add some more targeting to reduce the audience size. And so one of the things we like to do is adjust the placement. And the placement of your ad determines where it's going to show up to users on the Facebook platform or other platforms. So there's a placement section, and when you click into that, you're going to see several different options. You'll see a Facebook option, and on Facebook, there are the option to place your ad in the stream. So that's when people are viewing their Facebook stream of posts from other people. There'll be an option to place the ad on the sidebar, which is the right sidebar on the right-hand side when you're viewing Facebook on a desktop app. And there's an option to show it in articles, essentially. Um, so when someone clicks into a link into an article, there will be a Facebook ad in the middle of that article somewhere. Then there's also a recently added option to see the Facebook ad in a Messenger app. So when people are using Facebook Messenger to send messages to their friends, they would see an ad there. There's an option to show ads to Instagram because Facebook now owns Instagram. And there is an option to show ads in the audience network. And according to the Facebook website, this is sort of a recent um, addition to their ad placement lineup. So they say that not everybody has the audience network option yet. You may or may not have audience network, but I think that's a little bit outdated. I think everybody now has audience network by default. And the audience network actually shows your Facebook ads to people outside of Facebook. 
people who are using the internet to browse other websites, or also in certain apps that Facebook has a partnership with. And they're pretty vague about who will see those ads. But for our purposes here at Bright Little Light Press, we like to show our ads specifically to people who are on Facebook, and we want to show it in the stream. So we would uncheck all of those other placement options to remove those placements. And that Sylvia Day audience, for example, as we start removing those placements, that audience size that started out at 1.2 million goes down to around, I think, 200,000, which for us is a little bit low. So we might add in additional romance authors to increase the audience size to get to that sort of half a million number. And the reason half a million is good, it's a good number of people to see it, and the other factors that are going to play into it, like activity and relevance, um, will determine your cost per click in that audience size. So half a million is a good number to get people you're going to be able to engage with a relatively low cost per click. So moving on. Um, Audience size, you can sort of adjust the targeting to get to an audience size that is your sweet spot. Just one note about that. If you are in a more targeted um, demographic, like for example, if you're writing nonfiction books and the people you can target on Facebook is relatively low, you're just going to pay a higher cost per click. It's just the cost of doing business to a niche audience on Facebook. It's unfortunate, but you can expect it to be higher and just know that going in upfront. The second factor is the audience activity. And what I mean when I say this is people who are browsing Facebook may be more or less likely to interact with Facebook ads while they're browsing their stream. So there are some people when they look at Facebook and they see the ads, they just skip right past it without even bothering to read the ad. They will never ever engage with it. There are other people who maybe sometimes will click through the ad just to see more about it if it's something that seems interesting to them, but maybe not all the time. And then there are people who will click through ads frequently just because they think they're going to get a good deal or they always like to click ads because they're interesting. This is a less common demographic, but there are certain um, age ranges where this is most more likely and also certain uh, regions where this is more likely. I suspect due to the socioeconomic status in these regions. And so when your audience activity is the type of people who don't ever click ads, then you're going to pay a much higher cost per click on the clicks that you do get. Because Facebook will be showing your ad to a lot of people who never click, and maybe only one in a hundred actually wants to click your ad. So that one click is going to cost you a lot more. If you reach a highly active audience, maybe a lot of people in your audience are clicking on your ad, then the cost per click is going to go down dramatically just due to the audience activity. And unfortunately, this is not something that Facebook gives you when you're looking at your ad data. This is something you have to sort of extrapolate on your own as you do different ads and sort of see how your ads perform in different areas and different demographics. And you can definitely adjust your demographic to sort of try to tweak this a little bit. So as an example, again, um, at Bright Little Light Press, we have these romance novels that we are uh, marketing. And the target market, according to the Romance Writers of America, for romance novels is women between the ages of 18 and 44. So we only show our ads to women between the ages of 18 and 44. 
there are some ads that we show to older women. And I think occasionally we've run ads to friends of friends, in which case it's no longer restricted to women. But for the most part, that's our target demographic. So those are the only people we advertise to. The um, lower age range, if you are advertising to people under 18, they're more likely to click ads. But then again, they may not be able to make purchases. So that's probably not a useful metric for you to have. But if you know your target demographic is people within a certain age range or people of a certain gender or even people in a certain region, we actually have been able to identify that romance novels sell better in certain parts of the United States. So we can target only those states where the romance novels are going to sell well. When we do that, that lowers the cost per click because people in those regions are more interested and more likely to engage with content. So this is sort of ways you can look at demographic and extrapolate uh, activity, which will help determine what your cost per click is going to be. A metric that goes hand in hand with activity is relevance. And this is something that Facebook will show you. Basically, Facebook will assign you a score between 1 and 10 based on how relevant your ad data is to people in your target demographic. So people who are receiving your ad, how relevant are they finding it? And Facebook calculates this based on a few things. Um, if people hide your ad, which is one of the options when you see an ad, you can click on it and show hide the ad or never show me ads from this person or never show me this type of ad. When people hide your ad, it decreases the relevance of your ad because Facebook assumes that people in this demographic are not finding this ad applicable to them. On the opposite side of that, when people engage with your ad, like if they click your link, or if they share your ad with other people, or if they like or comment on your ad, these are considered positive factors, so this type of engagement will raise your relevance score. So you want a relevance score between 6 and 10 if you can get it. Um, 8, 9, and 10 are very good relevance scores, and when you have relevance scores that high, your cost per click is going to be less because people are engaging with your content, Facebook is showing it to more people, and the cost per click goes down. If you have a relevance score that is very low, like between 1 and 5, your cost per click is going to be more because people are not finding your ad engaging, they are not choosing to interact with it, or if they are interacting with it, they're doing it in a negative way, like saying, hi, this ad. So when you see your relevance score, look at it, and if your relevance score is low, try changing your ad um, copy, or change your ad image, or change the uh, targeting on your Facebook ad to try to tweak that and improve your relevance and ultimately lower your cost per click. And again, um, give yourself around three days when you make this type of change to an ad just to see how the change reflects in your relevance score and your cost per click. It takes around that amount of time for Facebook's ad to sort of settle in. Frequency is another factor that can help determine your cost per click and also how successful your ad is going to be. So frequency is another metric that Facebook will show you when you're viewing your ad data. And what this means is how often are people on Facebook seeing your ad? And once is basically people are not seeing your ad more than once. It's not going out to the same person. Um, a really common frequency, especially in a smaller size uh, target demographic, is between one and one and a half. And they'll give you like a decimal point. So one of our ads right now, I think, is running like 1.16 frequency. 
And this means that for the most part, people are only seeing your ad once, but occasionally it's showing a second time to some people. Frequency is sort of, it is one of the less useful metrics, but it can tell you when an ad starts to go stale. If you have a small target audience and your frequency number gets close to two or even goes past two, that means your audience is seeing your ad twice or more. And at that point, the ad is probably less effective to the audience, especially if you're trying to get a cost per click. Um, That is general conventional wisdom around Facebook ads. And at that point, when you get up to a frequency of around two, your cost per click will have gone up because people are just not interacting with your ad at that point. That being said, a more holistic overall marketing strategy approach tells us that people do not necessarily act on an ad the first time they see it. This is why TV ads, you may see really repetitive ads on television, because people know that if you see an ad once, you're probably not going to take action on it. But if you see the same ad a dozen times or two dozen times, then that becomes really ubiquitous in your mind. You're sort of giving it more mental weight. And even if you never hear anybody else talk about that brand, seeing that ad so many times makes it feel like a mainstream sort of thing. Um, Let me give you an example. Say if you live in an area and there's a plumber, a plumbing service that lives in your, or that operates in your area. And say they take out, you know, two dozen ads over the course of a week. So you see maybe 10 of those ads. And after you see the ad the first time, you're like, okay, there's this plumber in my area, whatever. I don't need a plumber right now. If you see the ad three times, you're like, okay, this plumber is pretty common. It's around the area a lot. No big deal. And if you see the ad five to 10 times, you're like, wow, this plumber must be everywhere. Everybody in the world must be using this plumber. You have no data that shows you that, but just seeing that ad over and over again reinforces the idea that this company is large and successful. So the same sort of thing can apply to your author brand and your books. A target audience, if it's an audience that is really relevant to your content, if they see your ad more than once, it is not the worst thing in the world. Your cost per click may go up, but people may choose to interact with your ad the second or even third time they see it. However, this is not common Facebook wisdom. A lot of gurus that will tell you about Facebook advertising would say that when your ad gets up to two frequency, just stop running it or change it. I'm just here to tell you that from an overall marketing standpoint, that is short-sighted, and if you're trying to raise awareness, it doesn't hurt you to have your ad going out to people at a more than two frequency, especially if your relevance is still high. But again, this is something you have to make a decision for yourself. You can sort of take on board everything people tell you about it, but you're the one who has to make a decision about whether or not this ad is working for your objective. So I'm going to sort of circle back and talk a little bit about something we spoke about before, which is the audience activity and how you can sort of tweak your demographic to get to a more active audience. There is an option that you can use when you're setting up Facebook ads called scheduling your posts or scheduling your ads. And basically, this means that your ad will only show to your target audience within certain hours on certain days of the week. So if you can sort of see over time when people are interacting with your ad in a positive way, and when those clicks are coming through, then you can start scheduling your ad to only show to people during those time periods. So say, for example, our target audience of housewives 
um, would see the ad most commonly between, I don't know, 7 and 10 a.m. on weekdays or 5 and 8 p.m. on weekdays. So we could schedule it to only show during those six hours of the day and not show the rest of the time because those are the hours when our members are most likely to engage with the content. So what that does is people who are likely to engage are going to be online during those time periods. That makes your cost per click go down. Your activity level, in theory, should go up. And your relevance may also go up because it's only showing to people during that period which your target demographic is around. This is a really great way to tweak the algorithms to your advantage and lower your cost per click on a Facebook ad. But the downside is Facebook doesn't really make it easy for you to see that. So you kind of have to be checking your Facebook advertising a lot throughout the day and throughout the weeks to really get a feel for when those times are. It's something you can do if you have more time or if you can be in front of the computer and check maybe every hour and see what your engagement is like. But if you're just sort of casually using Facebook advertising, you're probably not going to have enough data to decide when to schedule your posts. So that is a really (laughs) surprisingly in-depth crash course on ad algorithms and how Facebook uses its algorithms to determine your cost per click. So now we're going to talk about what is a good cost per click. Um, This is something I see authors struggling with constantly, trying to judge whether or not the price they're paying for Facebook ads is the amount that they should be paying. And they really try to do this by asking other authors, how much do you pay per click? Is the ad that I'm running a good cost or am I paying way too much? It's understandable that authors want to do this because we're looking for validating data from other authors. But the reality is only you can determine what cost per click is acceptable to you. I'm going to go into this a little more and explain that to you. Um, It's all relative. So some authors in really mainstream demographics who have very large audience sizes are able to get their cost per click down to as low as 10 cents per click. This is sort of the holy grail. This is like the best anybody can get is around or below 10 cents per click. It is not common. A lot of Facebook advertising authors who are starting out don't get that. And they may not even understand how it's possible to get that. So don't feel bad if you're not getting 10 cents per click or less, but that's sort of the ideal that people can aspire to. And as Facebook ads change constantly and they're evolving their algorithms and adding more options onto the network, your cost per click may just go up. It may not be possible for advertisers to get 10 10 cents now. I know Facebook authors who say they're still getting this, But I think that sort of milestone is from a couple years ago before Facebook changed a lot. So it may be more difficult for people now to reach that 10 cents sort of holy grail. The good news is it doesn't have to matter to you if you get to 10 cents, as long as the cost per click you're paying is reasonable for what you're selling. So what this means is you need to understand the return on investment of your ads. You need to know if you pay... 50 cents per click, and you take 10 clicks to sell one copy of your book, and your book is priced at $4.99, you're not making any money. You're spending money on running that ad. If you're paying 30 cents per click, and you're getting a sale after five clicks, 
and you're selling a $10 box set, that ad is going to be positive for you. So even though the 30 cents per click is higher than that 10 cent holy grail, it's still making you a profit and is selling your product. So that would be a successful ad. It can be difficult to figure out what the return on investment is on your ads. Um, some people use the Amazon affiliate account to generate affiliate tracking links so they can really tell how many click-throughs they're getting that are generating sales. The downside to that is it is against the Amazon affiliate program terms of service to use these tracking links in social media accounts. So if you try to use your Amazon affiliate account link on Facebook or on Twitter, anywhere else on social media, they can suspend your account, and they do. I know some authors who just start up a brand new affiliate account when their account gets suspended because they decide that is the cost of doing business for them, That's they're willing to accept that. Um, there are other link tracking services that you can use to basically embed tracking data to determine whether or not when they click on it, do they go through. But the problem with that is it doesn't give you the Amazon sales data. So you don't know if that click, even though you can track that it did go through, generated a sale. And the Amazon dashboard is really slow about displaying sales. Amazon's official data is that you may see sales come through your dashboard anywhere from five to 10 days after the sale has actually happened. So it can be very difficult to attribute that sale to a specific ad running off of Amazon. In my opinion, the only real way you can measure whether or not a Facebook ad is successfully sending clicks and the return on investment is good is if you're only running a single Facebook ad at a time and you give Amazon that five to 10 day window to report all the sales. So this isn't very helpful because it means you're not going to know for a couple of weeks whether or not this ad is actually generating sales for you and whether it's profitable. For this reason, it's a good idea to start your ads really low on Facebook. Um, convention says like $5 a day for your Facebook ad while you try to determine whether or not it's working well for you. Um, I've actually had ads perform better if I start at a higher dollar amount. And then once I drop that dollar amount, the cost per click goes up. So don't know how this fact factors into the algorithms, but if you can afford to do a higher start, you may want to do that. But this is the really best way to test the return on investment of a specific ad. That being said, a lot of authors don't necessarily have time to play around with ads like that because if you're only testing a single ad at a time and you're essentially running that ad for two weeks, that means you can only test two Facebook ads per month. So it's a really slow way to iterate and figure out whether or not ads are working well for you. If you can afford to do more than that, do more than that. You may not be able to track the ROI to a specific ad, but you can get data on click-through, and ultimately that can help you decide whether or not an ad is something you want to keep um, running. And if you pause an ad and your sales stop happening, you can attribute it to that. But it's just really, it's unfortunate that there isn't better ad data available for people who want to use Facebook ads to sell on Amazon. So the bottom line is, what is a good cost per click? It varies depending on what you're selling and what your objective is. So if you're selling a book for $2.99 and your cost per click on Facebook is 50 cents to a dollar, I can pretty much guarantee you you're not making a profit because most 
people who click through are not buying. A good click through rate is between 10 or a good purchase rate rather on a click through is between 10 and 40%. 40% is sort of outrageously high, but if it's right, priced really low and you've got really compelling ad copy and a lot of reviews, you can probably hit that. But for most of us, a 5 to 10% conversion rate on click through is realistic. If you're selling something like a box set with a higher dollar amount and a higher margin, then it may be more profitable for you and running Facebook ads that have a higher cost per click can work out. That being said, there are other objectives that may justify a higher cost per click and running a negative return ad because you're trying to reach this other objective. And that could be something like brand awareness. If you want more people to find out about you as an author, then it may be okay for you to run an ad that is costing you more money than it's making. Because in the long run, people being aware of you as an author, especially if they're signing up for a mailing list, or if they are just um, finding out about you and getting promotional materials, that can lead to sales down the road, which is awesome. Another thing might be if you're sending people to the first book in a series, and you have like five to ten books in that series then they're reading through your series, that's going to generate more revenue for you than you're really tracking on a single click. What I mean by that is if you're sending people to book one and people go buy book one and read it and love it, and then they go buy books two through 10, that's going to really bring you a much higher value per reader than if you're sending people to a standalone book that doesn't have anything else they can buy. If you have a high read-through rate on your series, then paying more per click or having a lower overall conversion rate can still work out for you in the long run in terms of the math. Again, that gets really complicated. You have to know what the read-through rate is, which you can do in part by adding affiliate links into your books so that when people get to the end of a book, they click the link to buy the next book. Then you can sort of track how many sales are coming through your books and get an idea of your read-through rate. Um, there are some other ways to do this, but again, it's not something it's it's not something that's easy to get a good handle on in terms of the data. So it can be difficult to determine whether or not this is happening for you. Sometimes you just have to sort of watch your trends and get a feel for it, and it's sort of a gut feeling. It's not necessarily something you can assign ad data to. Um, another one to think about is lead generation. So lead generation ads typically cost more than cost per click ads for sales or engagement ads, um, and that is because people are less likely to engage with something that requires them to give away their email address. And so you may decide that a higher cost for lead generation is okay because you're willing to pay X amount of money for a mailing list subscriber because you can assign a value to your mailing list subscriber. And what this means is that if you're, just give you really rough numbers for an example, if you have a 1,000 people subscribed to your mailing list and you launch a new book that's priced at $4.99 and 300 of those subscribers go on to buy your book, depending on the program that you're enrolled in, you're looking at a profit of a little over $800. So in that scenario, you can spend up to $0.80 cents per subscriber to obtain those subscribers and to come, sort of break even. If you get a higher uh, number of mailing list subscribers and you have a higher number of people buying your books, you sort of do the math and figure out whether or not it makes sense to pay whatever you're paying for lead generation per subscriber. And this requires you to know the value of your mailing list. So it requires you to know roughly how many sales you generate on your mailing list. 
either by launching new books and series or by sending people in your mailing list automation to do sales later in your series. Or by knowing the read-through rate for people who are on your mailing list. So all of these types of data can help you determine what is the value of a mailing list subscriber, and that can help you decide how much you're willing to pay per lead on Facebook. And this is all relative to. I know some authors who won't pay more than 50 cents per lead. I know some people in other industries who pay $400 per lead because the average return on that is going to be like $5,000. So it's all relative. It really depends on what your catalog size is and how much money you're able to make off of each subscriber. And this is math that you got to have to do for yourself. So some things to keep in mind when you're deciding whether or not the cost per click ad on your Facebook ads is worthwhile for you is that there may be times in your career when it is worthwhile for you to run costs one ads at a negative cost per click. And this could be at the start of your career when you don't have a lot of fans and not many people know about your stuff. It may be worthwhile for you to run ads that are not making you money just to get awareness out there about your brand. And you might do this as a, an engagement ad. So this engagement means people are going to share your ad on Facebook or interact with it. And that means you're going to reach more people because you'll reach friends of those people who interact with it. And that can really help spread awareness of your brand. Um, the other type of thing is if you're trying to get reviews on your books. So when you first launch your books, you may not have any reviews or you may have only a few reviews. And you may run um, ads that cost you money that you're not making money on just to get more people to buy your books so that they will leave reviews. The more reviews you have on your books, the easier it is to sell your books. So you may be willing to pay uh, for a negative return ad campaign just to get those reviews because down the road you're going to be able to sell uh, more books at a positive return. So the long and the short of it is trying to compare yourself to other authors when you're looking at Facebook advertising costs isn't really helpful. Your objectives may not be the same as their objectives. Your audience may not be the same as their audience. The type of engagement you're looking for or the activity size of your audience or the relevance of your ads or the placement you select may not be the same as theirs. So it's not really comparing apples to apples. All you can do is decide whether or not your Facebook ad cost is worthwhile for you based on your Facebook advertising objective. Hopefully you understand a little better now some of the um, factors that influence the cost you're going to pay on Facebook and how people are going to interact with your ads and can make the adjustments you need to make your ads successful and worthwhile. As always, if you have any feedback on this podcast or any questions you'd like to talk about on a future podcast, Hit us up on Twitter at BLL Press or on Facebook at BLL Press or through our website at brightlittlelight.press. And thanks for listening. Bye.